What's going on everyone? Kevin Wagstaff here. Today we have Alan DeSherry from Midland, Texas and House to Home Inspection Services. This is one of the best episodes we've ever done. So I encourage you to listen to all of it. I think it's just packed full of value from beginning to end. Um, and also for your new listeners, I want to let it welcome everybody. Um, I realized from talking to Alan that before he listened to Spectora Spotlight, he just assumed it was all about Spectora or how to use Spectora or selling uh, people on Spectora. So I wanna welcome you and let you know that this is a, a free podcast just meant to talk about the industry, to talk about running a business, growing a business, balancing work life, family life, pretty much everything you guys have to deal with on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. Um, and just to help everyone, just to kind of hear what other people are doing in different parts of the country. So we don't even really talk about the software much at all. So um, yeah, for you new listeners, welcome and I hope you guys enjoy the episode. I think it's going to be one of our most uh, downloaded uh, to date. So let us know if you have any questions or have uh, any guests you want to get on here. We're open to talking to uh, just about everybody. So thanks again for listening and I hope you guys enjoy it. All right, and we are rolling. So Kevin Wagstaff here, another episode of Spectora Spotlight. And today I have Alan Dechari. Did I get that right? Close. It's pronounced Dechari. Dechari. So I wasn't close at all. I butchered it. <laughs> I, I always like capturing that because it's like, you know, I'm going to take my best shot at it. Butcher it you're out. Not, you're not the first who has butchered it. And uh, <laughs> it wasn't too bad of a butcher. It was, it was not too bad at all. So. Yeah, well, um, you know, just for the listeners, let, them, let, us, let us know a little bit about yourself, where you're from, um, and kind of how, how we got here. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, just right off the bat, uh, sort of a disclaimer is that I've, I've only been an inspector a year and a half. So I'm still fairly new to this game and uh, learning how to play it and enjoying that. So, um, but I have, I have an interesting background coming into it. Um, I've been in and around the construction industry uh, well, most of my life. And uh, as a teenager, I, I was a helper for an electrician for a little while, a plumber for a little while, worked for a framer, um, eventually through college, worked off and on with a remodeler. So wow. just having been exposed to a variety of trades really got my interest in these things. And, um, and even as a little kid, I mean, I love to build model cars and <laughs> buy a watch just to take it apart and put it back together again. And uh, <laughs> just always enjoyed that kind of thing. Um, but interestingly, I also have a background in healthcare. So, uh, I became a nurse, registered nurse in 2001 and, uh, worked in that profession for a long time. And, uh, also at the same time doing some remodeling and, uh, flipping a house. And when I was 25 years old, I general contracted a house and, and built a new house. Um, and so have some experience there. And uh, kind of along that whole journey was uh, my involvement with my church and just learning about leadership and working with people and uh, all of those kinds of things. And while they may seem unrelated, um, it's interesting. I've, I'm realizing how all of those paths of my journey uh, kind of come together in what I'm trying to accomplish as a home inspector. And so we can talk some about that uh, as we go if you want. Yeah. But, um, Yep. So I started in January of 2019. At the time, I was still working part-time as a nurse um, in, and uh, doing that about once a week. And quickly, the inspection business took off. And uh, eight or nine months into it, I quit that job to focus solely on home inspections. 
and uh, it's continued to grow and continued to take off, and it's been an exciting journey since then. Uh, so amazing, and you're off and running. I well, I want to get to your hundred five star reviews on Google already because that's just a, a mind blowing number and something I know all of our inspectors aspire to. Um, and yeah, and you're the point where you're at. I want to let everyone know that this is like the perfect, I think kind of this escape velocity as we call it is where you've gotten to a year and it looks like you're, you're going to, you're, you're more than making it, you're doing great. And so I think you have a ton of insight and experience that I want to kind of dig into. So um, talk to me a little about the healthcare and ministry background, because I, one, my, my wife is a nurse practitioner, so I have a special place in my heart for people like you that, that serve and do the hard work. Um, you know, and we joke with our team here. It's like, we have it easy working in tech. You, you, that's the hard work is like taking care of people, you know, yeah, and li right. lives are literally on the line. <laughs> literally on the line. That's right. <laughs> but talk to me a little bit about the kind of, um, kind of service and leadership that comes with both of those backgrounds. Cause I think as home inspectors, right, we're serving customers. And, uh, and I think I want to hear about that connection. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, um, and I would say the, the common ground in all three of those experiences, home inspector, nurse, uh, ministry, is that we're caring for people. And uh, we're caring for people in the midst of uh, challenging and stressful situations. So in healthcare, they're kind of physically at the, at the bottom of the barrel. They've reached the end of their rope. And I mean, you're meeting people in a place of need. Um, and learning how to be sensitive to where they're at, what are their fears, what are their concerns, how can I uh, actually really help this person? Um, you know, so, or, or whether it's counseling, um, a, a marriage that's in crisis and looking for some help and uh, caring for people in, in those kinds of situations in a ministry context, it's the same thing, right? Like, how are these, what, what's going through this person's mind? How can I understand that so that my help um, and my counsel, my care will actually uh, be effective for them. And so I, I think of home inspections in a very similar way. Um, by the time somebody's put a contract on the house, uh, especially if it's a married couple, there's probably have been a few fights along the way and uh, they're probably stressed out and they're mad at their realtor for this or that, but they don't have a choice. And, you know, and they're about to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars and they're wondering about, is that a wise decision? And there, there's just all of these major life stressors going on in that person's mind. Now I realize I'm not there to like sit down on a couch and counsel them or something like that. <laughs> That's not my role, but some um, level of emotional intelligence is required to talk to them about things in the house. And um, kind of even when I go to realtors offices and I talk to them, when I try to make this connection for them that as a nurse, I often had to talk to somebody about very serious things Mm -hmm. But I needed to be able to do that in a way that is realistic and balanced and on one hand doesn't freak them out, but on the other hand doesn't make it sound like it's no big deal when it actually might be. So it's real important to balance those things. And um, like you have, you have high blood pressure and people die from high blood pressure. Well, yeah, they do. But you know, if, you, if you explain it like that, then that's going to freak them out. So yeah. yes, you have this problem, but there are ways to treat it. There are a number of things you can do, and we're going to help you figure that out. Um, you know, then it's like, oh, okay, I, I need to take this seriously, um, but I don't need to panic over it. And uh, the tendency to panic over things shows up in the inspection industry all the time. And um, 
you're, you're giving people information that about things that they don't know about. You know, you know about it as an inspector, but they don't know about it. So how is it hitting them? And uh, it could hit them in a way that kind of freaks them out. Um, and, and we just see this society-wide right now, right? I mean, even the, the approach to media in our world right now is m the media wants you to panic with every ounce of your being right now. You should be freaking out about everything. You know? Correct, correct. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> that makes you click, that makes you uh, share yes. it spread it and they can sell more ads. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so in, in home inspections, I mean, when I'm doing a walkthrough with a client after the inspection, going over the report with them, I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to make sure that my body language, my demeanor, just my whole approach is conveying things with a realistic viewpoint without trying to freak them out because they're probably already tilted that way um, be, just because of the stress of the situation. So uh, j just being able to navigate that, I mean, I feel like there's so much overlap, going back to your question with my, my role as a nurse and what that looked like. And, uh, because I was working and I spent a lot of time in cardiology and so CCU, telemetry, emergency room as well, did that. And then ortho neuro rehab and uh, as a head of a code team and, you know, dealing with tough stuff. So, uh, you know, that experience I think has come to bear in my experience as a home inspector. Oh, um, unbelievable. Um, helpful. There's so much there I, I want to dig into. So I, I, it, it makes sense now looking at your success because everyone that's listened to these can knows that I harp on this and the common theme is always communication, empathy, how you explain defects, your body language, how you rope in the agent. And nursing seems like it was a perfect tee up for this because, uh, you know, just talking to my wife about the skills you have to display and the composure you have to have. What would you tell an inspector that didn't have your background? What, how can they work on these things or think about them? Or is it just bringing them into awareness to say, Hey, I have to explain these things in a way that they can understand it. Not what makes me feel good. Like, how would you coach someone to say, hey, you know, I know you weren't a nurse. I know you didn't go through this. <laughs> sure. That's a great question. Well, a um, couple of things. I mean, one, to, just to put it in my language, you need to have a category for bedside manner, um, yes. to put it in the language of healthcare. You, you've probably been on the receiving end of a doctor or a nurse who had horrible bedside manner. Mm -hmm. Well, don't, don't be that inspector. Um, <laughs> You know, so kind of analyze, okay, why, why was the bedside manner bad? Well, he was in a rush. He, he seemed like he didn't have time for me. Uh, she didn't listen to me. Um, I had questions that she never really opened it up to say, now, do you have any questions? Because the, this practitioner, this doctor was so just in a hurry to get out the room and get on to the next person. You know, I mean, I mean all of those things inspectors do. And uh, we don't need to be doing that. So have a category for uh, bedside manner and just be thinking about that, that when I'm with a client, um, how are they perceiving me in this moment? Um, do I seem rushed? Do I seem like I don't care? Do I just want to get through it? Am I trying to just bury them in data? Am I trying to show off and make, make them walk away going, I don't have a clue what he meant, but man, <laughs> that guy is smart. <laughs> um, you know, we, we, we can act this way. We can come across to people, uh, come across to others this way. And uh, so just having a category for that, just to say, okay, I need to be aware of my own tendencies. How do I come across to people? 
um, what, what is sort of my bedside manner when I'm with a client or with an agent as well? So, I mean, same question to be asking. Uh, second is uh, maybe actually maybe like point A under that would be to solicit the help of others in that. So if you're married, uh, ask your spouse, how am I coming across when I'm interacting with people? Now, maybe your spouse isn't there on the job. Okay. But uh, maybe in the way you write the report as maybe they're listening in while you're talking to a client because you're home for lunch and your phone rang and you're, you're trying to land this job with this person and your spouse is listening to you and you hang up. How did that sound? How did I come across? Did I sound arrogant and rude? Was I in a hurry? Was I, you know, because the, just the perspective of somebody next to you can help you see things about yourself that you don't see uh, on your own. So that helps with that. Um, yeah. And then the, the other, I, I think the other thing is um, just centering your business around a certain value and realizing that, um, Everything that we do as a company uh, is flowing through this core value of quality customer service. And um, I think if we get the, the center right, then uh, the, the rest of the things will fall into place more easily where it's, it doesn't feel forced. You know, you're not forcing yourself to be kind and nice and listening and empathetic and all of that. You just, if you live in that core value and, it, and it's your, it's kind of your mental an emotional center as you're doing your work, um, it will just more naturally come out. Um, it's definitely something that can be practiced and cultivated. And uh, unless you have a, a unique background where your, your experiences have shaped you this way already, um, I mean, I think most of us just have to work, work hard at it. Um, I don't know that I was just naturally like this. In fact, if you, if you ask my wife, she would probably tell you you're, you're, you're rude to people a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> so I've had to learn how to, uh, I've, ha I've had to learn these things along the way. And uh, what is it? What is good listening? What is good eye contact, body language? Um, how am I coming across to others? So, uh, you know, these are things we can all grow into. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy the lie that, uh, well, this is just how I am. I'm just a rough and tough person. And I'll, well, okay, your, your personality, it may, uh, it may come out differently, but we can all uh, deliver great customer service. We can all be better at it for sure. Um, how it's going to look in each person might be slightly different, but it's not like there's no way certain people will ever be this. No, I, I think you can. It'll just be to varying degrees. Yes, I, I can 100, 1 million percent agree. This is so good. And I'm glad we're, I'm glad we're touching on this because yeah, that's the common um, pushback, you know, because home inspectors, I think we can all agree, can be not very touchy feely, not very in tune to that side and want to just focus on the technical, the comfort zone, right? The, hey, I know homes, it's physical, I can touch it. Um, but this is, this is everything. This is so, this is such a big part of business and we can't ignore it as an industry. And I think, everyone that takes this, you know, portion of the, the podcast to heart, I think will be ahead of the game just by asking those questions. You really, you dropped some gold right there. That was, I think that's, that's what everyone should be thinking about and baking those into your core values. That's another thing. Um, yeah. Where, where did you kind of get that mentality around core values? Cause it's something we do at Spectora and we know you need to kind of have that guiding light or that North star. What yeah. led you to that? Well, um, Boy, on the first thing that pops into my head is uh, 
I, 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 I do read quite a bit. Um, and so some things that, that have helped with that, uh, you know, there are the classics, Jim Collins, Built to Last, Good to Great. Um, you know, you read those kind of things and it, that, they talk about that a lot is find, find your one thing. Um, if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish as a business, you're going to be all over the map. I mean, it's the old adage, if, if you're not aiming for anything, don't be surprised when you don't hit it. And so what are you aiming for as a business? You've got to get down to that core question. So even before I started, um, for probably a year, as I was trying to think of my business name and trying to come up with a logo, I was asking, okay, what are, what are we going to be all about? Um, great inspections, thorough inspections. Okay. Yeah, probably so is everybody else. I mean, isn't, isn't that what everybody's aiming for is great, thorough inspections? <laughs> um, so what is going to be unique to me that's going to set me apart from that? Uh, so that's, that's going to be such a function of your personality, your market, what other people are doing, uh, an awareness of what you're getting into. So that, getting down to that is just very, very important. So I would say books helped me really ask some important questions. Um, so read good books. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of reading. If you say, well, I'm not really a reader. Well, start with audiobooks. But everybody can be a reader. You're probably not a good reader because you don't read. Uh, if, you, if you actually read a little bit, you'd probably find that, that this is helpful and you may want to read more. So books is one thing. But second, and I, I love to tell this story, uh, is – hold on one second. For anyone listening, I, I am that not great of a reader and I fall asleep and I know a lot of you can relate to that. Fall asleep reading books. I started with audiobooks. I did a free trial on Audible and it's changed my life. So I want everyone to know that just listening to some of these books, which I'll link to in the descriptions, all the ones we talk about. And I know Alan has a list, some amazing books that really transformed how I approach business and how I interact with people. So I say, Audible is a no-brainer as much as we drive around in this industry. So I want everyone to really take that to heart because the information you can get from one book can make you hundreds of thousands of dollars or transform your relationships and really help your career. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, uh, there, and there are others. There are even free services typically through your local library. So Hoopla or Overdrive and um, lots of libraries around the country offer free services and usually a lot of the classic business books you can get. Um, so definitely, I mean, go after it. But okay, the other thing is, um, is my, my experience. When I, we, we have a local restaurant called Rose's Cafe and when, when you walk in, um, the line might be through the door but you'll be in and out of that line in five minutes. They look like they have 25 people working behind the counter. They always get your order right. Your food's ready quickly. And it's like, man, this is a well-oiled operation, well-oiled machine. What is going on here? Um, now, another one would be like Chick-fil-A. And so just, and, and I don't know if it's like this in other parts of the country, but here uh, the line will be wrapped around the building twice and down the street, you think there's 45 cars in this line. I'm going to be in this line for an hour. No, I mean, no matter what, you're, you're in line for like five minutes. I mean, how in the world are they doing this? Um, so looking at businesses like that and then 
And every time with Chick-fil-A, it's not just that they have good food and they're giving it at a good price and they're getting you through the line quickly and efficiently. I'm so impressed at their efficiency. Um, but there's a certain experience that you get when you're there. And so there's this delivery of customer service that is going to be consistent each and every time um, by the way they, their attitudes, by their approach and what they're doing. You could tell that for them, they, they said, we're not just going to make a great chicken sandwich. A lot of people can do that but we're going to deliver a certain kind of customer experience as we're doing this. And um, just looking at that model and, and my experience of being on the receiving end of that is said, okay, I've got to figure out, I want to deliver the Chick-fil-A experience of home inspections. I want to be thorough, efficient, professional, friendly, customer service oriented. And so um, a lot of my, uh, marketing approach is, is exactly that. I mean, even from a phone call, when somebody asks and they just want a quote, um, I, I'll give them the quote, but I'll, I'll go on to explain how uh, part of what you're getting in that quote is not just a great, thorough, detailed inspection with an awesome reporting system that's mobile friendly, tech savvy, unlike anything you've ever seen, you will love it. But also there's this whole just experience that I start to outline to them. Um, and how we spend time with our clients at the end of each inspection to do a walkthrough, to answer any questions they may have, to go over the highlights of, of the inspection. We're available after the report to answer your questions, to be your go-to guy when you have questions after you move in and you want to shoot me a text of, a pic of something that's like, hey, what is this? And, uh, you know, we're, we'll be around, we'll be available, we'll be accessible. Um, I'm not going to do this inspection and drop you and hope I never hear from you again. Um, you know, like there's a, there's a level of customer service that I'm trying to deliver. And so where did that come from? Going back to your question, it came from hearing it analyzed in, in books and how companies that are super successful have done this. They've identified kind of their core thing. Um, and then being on the ex receiving end of that and actually experiencing that in person uh, through other businesses, like, wow, man, these people, they have it figured out. <laughs> they are consistent, they're efficient, they're professional, they're customer service oriented. And this all yields this one kind of core business model that has made them very successful. Um, <sighs> so that would, that's two parts of that. I love that you bring that up. I took my daughter to Chick-fil-A last night, actually, because she had a great volleyball practice. And I said, you know, you've earned this. And so we went and yeah, it was the line. It was like 930 at night and the line was wrapped around the building, but we got through it in like three minutes. And, <laughs> and it happens every time we go there. And I think we take it for granted. We're just like, we kind of just keep going there. And then you, when you stop to think about it, I want everyone to really sit with this for a second and think, what makes me keep going there is because it's so seamless. And then you get the this consistent food and then the pace at which the kids are usually talking to me through the intercom. And then when I get to the window, they're never rushed. They always tell me to have a great day, very genuinely. And I'm just always generally pleased. And yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. we can all apply that to our own businesses in different ways. And so I love that you brought up that example. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. I mean, and I'm, I'm analytical, I mean, probably hyper analytical. So I'm, I'm sitting in that line for three minutes and I'm just, I'm looking like, okay, look at their uniforms. They all have the same uniform. They're smiling as they talk to every single customer. They're ready to help. They don't look irritated that you pulled up to the window. They, you know, like, like it is another restaurant, the fast food restaurants. And, um, you know, just like I'm, I'm studying it. Like what, man, what is the deal? How are you, how are you doing this? And, uh, and ironically, just a, a side note is I, 
I took care of a patient once this a few years back and uh, the family member was like the district manager for the roses cafe that I was telling you about, which is a similar in terms of efficiency and customer service um, operation where I'm at and was just asking him like, man, how do you get that many employees to be just working that well, that efficiently all the time that is delivering this consistency and uh and and that and his answer was um in in the training they do everything they can to sell people to sell their employees on the idea of here is what we're about we're not just about delivering good food i mean you have to at least do that Mm -hmm. but we're about so much more than that and so that's been my approach with home inspections i want to deliver a great inspection i mean everybody does but it's got to be more than that, right? It's got to be a kind of a transcendent value that's guiding you, that's driving you and motivating you throughout. Yeah. I want everyone listening to know it. Uh, a thorough inspection, that's like table stakes. That's like your blinds to even play the hand. Like that's just to even start being in the game. <laughs> that's the entry. Yeah. Uh, and I, I want to challenge everyone. And now that we're talking about it, it's, it's making me light up because it, it always hits home with me when I sit there and analyze it as well. Cause I, I always look at brands that do things well and try and think like, okay, what can we learn from this? And if, if Chick-fil-A or any of the cafe you mentioned, if they can get their employees who are probably making, you know, 10, $15 an hour to genuinely not make me feel like I'm in, I'm inconveniencing them coming at nine 45 when they close at 10 o'clock and they're still happy and patient with me, if you guys out there listening as owners of your company, so you have everything to gain by growing your brand and business, there's no excuse not to be that way if an agent calls you or texts you at 5 a.m. or 10 p.m. or a client emails you and yeah, it's annoying. They're asking 10 questions. If these employees can do it and they're make, they, have, they have no equity in Chick-fil-A, why can't we all do that as business owners? So I think we can all level there and say, hey, as business owners, there is no excuse not to have gratitude for people wanting your service, right? That's right. Yeah, exactly mean, it just, right. It feels insane if we're feeling like entitled to this business and people wanting to work with us right. when the person at the drive-thru is like, they genuinely seem happy that I chose, chose to go there. So <laughs> I, love, I love that we spent time on this. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, that, that's exactly right. They're earning a wage. Um, do they have a personal vested interest in you having a great experience? Um, do they have a, a monetary interest in that? No, they don't. They're just earning a wage. So if they can do that because they've been envisioned to buy something, their leadership in their, in their company has so envisioned them for a cause that they, they're committed to doing this, um, boy, how much more should we be doing that as business owners? And uh, I ran into some, uh, I was at a, I have another business renting out photo booths and I was at a big, big event working an event there and this cafe catered and I was talking to some of the employees, how long you been with this company? Oh, so many years. You know, they're probably making like $10 an hour Mm -hmm. and uh, wow, what, what has kept you there? And they said the community, the relationships, we all love what we do. We love working for this company. They treat us well. I mean, you you could tell that there was something that transcended the wage that was keeping them there. And um, so that stood out to me. And and I thought, yeah, you know, that's the key. I mean, you can lure people in with a good salary and stuff like that, but there's got to be a deeper and higher value that's driving them 
um, so they, they catch a vision of, you might say, a better future in the industry that I'm in. Like, how can, wh what is the clearer and better future that my business is going to move the industry towards? Um, and just kind of be, be asking those questions all the time helps you refine your focus and your center. I love that. I want every, yeah, I want everyone to take this homework and, and really put, just sit down and put thought into what are your core values? What is your kind of focus and guiding light? Like, what do you fall back on when people say like, why are you, why are you any different than anyone else out there? That's right. I always wonder too, if, if companies like that, if they, yeah, I think this is part from good to great. So I think you might appreciate this where it's like, do they hire people then train them to be happy and provide customer service or do they hire happy people and then teach them their way of doing things? And like, it's like layered in. So I think when inspectors are hiring or when, you know, every business owner is hiring, you need to think about the type of person and their background and their experiences and how they view life. Like it makes your interview process so different when you're like, am I just going to hire happy people that have gratitude or do I have to teach that? Cause that's very hard to teach. Yes. <laughs> you know? That's very hard to teach. <laughs> You know, I don't, I don't have experience with uh, hiring other inspectors. I mean, ultimately, I would like to have other inspectors and, and run a multi-inspector company, but um, not there yet. I mean, I'm still brand new, still learning, but I know that's going to be my approach. If I ever get to the point where I'm hiring somebody, I, I want to hire, hire a personality and a mindset over a skill set. Right. And um, you can always teach somebody skills, but there are some things that are, you just can't teach. Um, and pass on. And so, I mean, I guess you can to some degree, but it, it would, wouldn't it be better for somebody who really shares uh, the core values of your business and like they see the vision of it and, and they want to help you run towards it. And so they're coming on board for that. And that's just so important. Yeah. I think it is um, Jim Collins that talks about not only getting the right people on the bus, but getting the right people in the right seats on the bus. And like, right. just kind of that mindset is uh, okay. Do we have the right, people on the bus. I mean, I think any company that's hiring and we, we face this with healthcare and the hospital and, um, you know, you can hire people that have the skills, but you, you really, for longevity and, and purpose and moving the ball forward as a company, you have to hire more than skills. And, um, so that, that's, that's an important kind of refined focus there. You're right. That's a good point. And I want to touch on something you just casually, you, you have such an interesting diverse set of experiences. You just casually threw in that you own a photo booth company. Let's talk about that for a second, because oddly enough, um, Brandon and Jamie Paternoster from House Call USA, they've been on the podcast, one of, you know, one of our faves. Um, they also oddly, I think, own and operate or maybe have sold a, a photo booth rental business. Tell me, talk to us a little bit about that, because that's super interesting and funny. Yeah. And, you know, you well, some. so the reason that I did that is... Um, is actually because I wanted to have a prototype for an inspection business. So let me explain what I mean by that. Tell me more. Yeah, because um, I said, well, I know I want to start an inspection business, which I'll need to tell you how, how that popped into my head uh, after this. But so I know I need to start an inspection business um, and that, that would be a good fit for me, but I don't want to start a business and let it just literally be my first rodeo trying to figure out all of this at the same time as launching and getting off the ground. Mm -hmm. So I um, was looking for some, some kind of work that I could do on the side from my nursing job um, and that it would be the kind of work where people's lives aren't on the line 
<laughs> I just I just needed <laughs> I needed something like where people aren't dying and you're having to deal with like major difficult and stressful things. Like, yeah. I just need something lighthearted. Um, and uh, and so yeah, so I got into the photo booth business. A friend of mine from El Paso uh, hooked me up with some equipment. And uh, so here's what starting a photo booth business required me to do. And you'll you'll recognize the link in the way I describe it is I had to create a website. I had to create a uh, booking process. I needed mm -hmm. to be able to get people to sign contracts, to accept payments, to market to people, to sell my services, to get reviews from others, to get word of mouth going, to make brochures, to make business cards, um, to, be, to have a social media presence, to talk it up among people, to maintain inventory and keep it stocked, and to stay cutting edge with technology and always be improving. Um, I needed to do all of that to run a successful photo booth business. Sounds familiar. Sounds familiar, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I said, well, I don't want to, I said, let me get my feet wet with the photo booth business. And, and that way, when I go to start my inspection business, I'll be like, oh, I've built a website. Oh, I've collected payment. Oh, I've mark done marketing. Oh, I've done, I know who to get my business cards through now. And I know what doesn't work. And, you know, it just gave me a little bit more experience. So I could hit the ground running a little bit more. Um, and now that I'm so busy with inspections, um, I'm, I'm ready to actually sell, sell the photo booth business. Um, and so I think it's, it's built up to, to a point where it's, there's some value there. And I do hope to sell that. Now it's just about impossible to sell a photo booth business right now <laughs> during right, right. the pandemic. Because no, who wants to uh, be stuffing four or five people in an enclosed space? Let's um, give you a year. Yeah, let's, let's, yeah. let's get a vaccine and then, uh, then you'll get back on. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that business is just kind of on hold at the moment because of the current situation. There just aren't big events and fundraisers and all of that kind of stuff. So, um, but that's how I got into that. And it has helped me so, so much in getting my inspection business started. So, yeah, you know, for guys that are out there that are maybe in the beginning or maybe haven't started yet, I mean, that's something to think about. Is there something I can do? Is there some crossover where I can actually be trained and make mistakes and fail uh, in this other kind of low risk business and then learn from those experiences and let that carry over into a more successful startup with my home inspections. Wow. I, I can only imagine the, the networking benefits that have come from your three previous careers into home inspections. I'm, have you gotten a decent amount of people that just kind of know you through those other walks of life and yeah, yeah, I sure have. <laughs> yep, yep, uh, yeah, that's right. In fact, I I had a uh, a guy who was actually my boss at my last nursing job. Um, he I did an inspection for his for him. Um, actually, did an inspection for a few folks at that job. Mm -hmm. But he he recently just kind of. I mean, I think I inspected his house six months ago, but he recently re resurfaced on a post that I had made on Facebook, and said, uh, "Alan did my inspection. He did a, he did a great job." And, and basically, he just gave a spontaneous review in a comment section. I mean, months after the fact. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, those kind of organic connections have have been really helpful. Um, and so I have, yeah, I think it's, yeah, on my Spectora stats, about 11% is, is that word of mouth uh, connection or uh, friendship connection. Um, about 11% of my inspections come from that. That's a big deal. And I mean, and you, and you've done hundreds in your first year, right? Like you, yeah. like you have well, the, so it, it's, um, in a year and a half, I'm at, 
I think I'm close to 300, a little over 300. Wow. Um, did 150 in 2019. And then here we are in July of 2020 and I've, I've done 163. So I, I've already, uh, already met the 2019 mark, um, at the end of six months and two months of that was in a lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so, that's amazing. Uh, so let's, I'm thankful. Let's dig into, and this is for, you know, new inspectors, aspiring inspectors. Let's talk about the transition from one career to another, because obviously you have multiple careers that we can speak about, but I kind of like talking about the, the mindset, the logistics, kind of all the little dirty details of how hard this is because yeah. I've done it. You've done it. Lots of people listening have done it, but there's people that are going through it right now. They're maybe part-time. Yeah. So yeah. Tell us a little about your journey and mindset there. Yeah. When I, uh, I, I just took the mindset that if I get to the point where I'm not able to do an inspection because I have to work a shift at the hospital, um, if that starts happening, that's a clear time. It's time to hang up the stethoscope. So, um, I was just kind of looking for that. So initially, I was able to say, uh, you know, can, can you do it on Thursday? Well, I can't do it on Thursday, but I can do it on Friday. Would that work? Oh, yeah, that should be fine. So we had a lot of that for a while. But eventually, I, my schedule really started filling up. And I, I, I was having, once I was having to turn down inspection work because of my job as a nurse, that was the clear sign, okay, this has got to change. Um, and so I was just looking for that and keeping my pulse on that to see, you know, are we getting to that point yet? And that, that's really the main, the main metric. Now, there's also, if you're in another career, there's also just the emotional attachment of leaving something behind that you have to work through. And so my wife was telling me, you got to quit as a nurse. She was telling me that for like three months before I actually did. But on, on one hand, I'm like, man, this is a career that, I enjoy that I'm good at that I've been doing for 18 years and like it's not just easy for me uh, to just walk away I'm not a I'm not a quitter you know it's just so I had to work through my own mental stuff there and um, and that can be challenging but that's a good exercise to work through because it forces you to stop and ask some important questions about yourself and your life and the direction of uh, how you plan to provide for yourself and your family and those are good questions to stop and ask um, and so we don't want to just be reactionary, but having, having a plan will help you be able to navigate some of that. Um, because especially just if you're doing two things like I was and, you know, you're working this other part-time job, you're trying to get your inspection business going, you can find yourself at a, at a very high pace. And uh, like what I like to say is like you're, you're living all the answers, but you haven't stopped to ask the questions. And mm -hmm. um, it's important to just stop and say, okay, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why did I start this business? What is the end goal? What is that kind of core focus of what I'm trying to move towards? I mean, we talked about the, the core focus, uh, the one thing for the company, but even for, for us as individuals, there's a component there as well. And um, what's the big picture here? Why, why am I doing what I'm doing? Um, that's a good exercise. And I think as you ask yourself those questions and have some self-awareness and be evaluating and uh, talking with people that you know and love and trust uh, to help you think through those things, you'll be able to make the transition. And I think you'll know when, when the time is there, you'll know when the time's right and it'll be easier to do. 
Was there any fear of um, kind of leaving a stable recession-proof career and getting into something where the next job is not guaranteed? I know that's a very common shift mentally. Yeah. Yep. That that is, and so um, that's where y- you want to be able to provide some securities there in case that that were to happen. So thinking through um, budget and uh, not just like gross revenue, but what is net profit. And uh, am I setting things aside in case you do go through a slow time? Um, the good thing about my unique situation is, uh, of course, if, if it ever got really bad, I could always go back to work as a nurse. True. Um, in fact, throughout this pandemic, my, my previous job has been calling and texting. Oh, I'm sure. Any I'm chance sure. you can come back. Uh, love you guys. And I'm so thankful for what you're doing. But I'm pretty busy right you're now. You're good. Love I'm, you. I'm good for now. So, yeah. Uh, it's it it is it is tough. You want to be smart about it. I would suggest getting some counsel, and if you have people that uh, have run successful businesses and started, and and run and even sold successful businesses, those are people that you might want to draw out about um, what are smart ways to do this. What are the pitfalls that I'm not seeing, and um, try to get some some advice and coaching from people who have been down that path, um, who can maybe look you know, more than what you and I are doing right now, which is just talking about it generally, but somebody that might be able to take a closer look at you and your situation and your business and be able to speak specifically into that. Like in in my case, it was having people close to me remind me that, yeah, but if it did get really bad, you could always go back to work as a nurse. Like, oh yeah, that's true. Well, that's true. Okay. You know, and it kind of, it kind of put me at ease a little bit. Yeah. That's good. That's nice to have that fallback. And I think everyone should have, you know, six to 12 months runway and kind of plan ahead if you're getting into this industry, um, you know, and have that foresight, not just wake up one day and say, cool, I'm going to quit my job. Um, you know, and, and these times are a little different. I want to acknowledge everyone. I generally had the, the thought before of like, hey, you can always go back to a job, generally speaking. Obviously, now these times are a little different. Maybe not everyone can go back to a full-time job. But True. Normal times, um, yeah, you can go back and be, um, you know, an electrician, a plumber, or get a construction job. So, but yeah, I think runway is important there. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, tell me, and also, you also, I guess, had that shift from kind of full-time employee to the self-motivated entrepreneur. You had some experience in that, it sounds like, with the photo booth business. But, like, this is a, a different beast altogether because it, it requires a lot of interpersonal outreach. So I'm curious how you got your first 10 inspections or kind of your mental approach of saying, okay, I'm a home inspector. How do I go get business? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I remember my first inspection um, and the people called me, I think I had signed up for home advisor in the beginning just because I, I didn't want to put all my eggs in one basket, like mm-hmm. going to the realtor's office. I just said, I'm going to just cast a wide net and see what comes back. Right. And um, so this person was a home advisor lead that I paid some ridiculous number for. And mm-hmm. I was scared to death. I mean, I was thinking, oh my gosh, these people have no idea that this is my very <laughs> first inspection. And you know what? I ain't going to tell them. If they ask me, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to say, yep, actually, this is my first inspection, <laughs> but I'm not going to lead with that. Um, yeah. So yeah, so they I didn't ask, that. right? They didn't ask. They did not ask. Okay, good. They um, <laughs> most, people was, most people would. Most people would. Thankfully, they didn't. <laughs> I was scared to death they would the whole time, though. Um, 
Yeah. So on that first one, I mean, and getting the rest of them after that, uh, I would say the first 10. So that, that one was home advisor. I did go to realtors offices and, uh, when they, when they would ask me, well, how many have you done so far? I I was just honest. Well, I've only done five. Mm -hmm. Um, but let me tell you why it would be worth your time to give me a shot. And so I talked about my background, my experience, my approach to customer service. Um, Even though I don't have experience in the inspection industry, um, I would accent the fact that uh, I might not have a ton of experience doing inspections, but I know people. I know how to deal with people. You know, you have a client that's scared to death and freaked out. Um, I'm going to do my best to take care of them. I'm not going to ghost them when they call me. And I'm not going to, you know, so just, just really talking about my desire to help people. Um, and that, that in itself has a value on it that to be honest, in some cases, I think surpasses the guy who's done 10,000 inspections and who has no bedside manner. Um, so I, I just tried to, to think, okay, even as a new inspector, brand new inspector, no on, you know, like no industry experience. But what do I have that is marketable? Um, identify what that is and then lead with that humbly and with gratitude and being, and, and if you were to give me a chance uh, to, to do an inspection for one of your clients, um, I will be so thankful. I'll work very hard. I'll be eager to learn. I'll be soliciting your feedback afterwards to help me know how I can do better. Um, and I think that approach really helps people. And then second to that, and that's important. Second to that would be, um, I may be new to inspections, but I, I have a business flipping houses. I've been in and around construction. I've done new construction. Um, I, I know I, I do have a realistic approach because I've, I've been on the job doing stuff. Um, and so I do bring that piece of experience into it, which I think they do, they do appreciate um, because I think very few agents are looking for somebody who only has book knowledge. Like you've never swung a hammer a day in your life, but you went to school for it. Uh, they're going to, they're going to sniff that out, you know? So I'm trying to, I'll use examples from, uh, you know, on this last flip that I was doing, we ran into this and, you know, just to let them know, like, yeah, I've, I've been there. I've, I've been, been in that. I've been in the thick of it, like on, on the other end of it. So I'm not speaking from, ignorance or lack of experience. I might not be, have done a ton of inspections yet. Maybe I only did three, but I've been in and around this industry for a while and uh, I, I get how things work and uh, I've got lots of connections to subs and pros and experts on different things that if I run into anything that I don't know, they're a phone call away and they're going to help. Um, so anyway, bringing that piece into it, I think also put agents at ease. Oh. I'm, I mean, I'm sold. You know, I, I used to be an agent, and so I've heard pitches. I've worked with multiple home inspectors, and I hope everyone really, like, maybe even rewinds the last five minutes and listens to it again because everything you just said just really resonated with my past life as a realtor. And I would have been like, you know what? I like this guy. He's good with people. He has some technical background. Cool. I trust you with with all my clients, and I think inspectors constantly need to be reminded that agents are not technical house construction people. Generally speaking, they're usually people persons, you know, people, people, however you want to say it. So they're naturally going to care about that side of you, maybe more than how much you know about plumbing or electrical wiring. Right. Right. 
Yeah. And, you know, so two things I want to say about that. Um, one, I need to give a shout out to my sister who is a real estate agent uh, in Louisiana. And so nice. especially in the beginning, I mean, we had, I was born and raised in Louisiana. I've been in Texas for 22 years, but um, she, I called her a bunch and just helped me navigate the world of real estate agents. I don't get it. (laughs) Why won't they return my phone calls? Did I make them mad? (laughs) They said I was, I did an awesome job on this inspection. I haven't heard from them for three months, which how should I interpret that? You know, and just trying to understand how agents think Um, my sister has really helped me with that. Um, So that's, that's a real important piece. It's like get into their world. Um, and then the, the flip side of that is uh, one, one way that we can do that better, I think, is um, just be measured in how much you're a part of uh, inspector Facebook groups and things like that. Because if you live in that world, um, it's a bit of an echo chamber. And your approach to doing business and inspections can mostly be a way to impress other inspectors or a way to be better than the guy in the Facebook inspector group or whatever. Mm, And it's like, like, man, we got to realize like, that's not who we're here to serve. We're not here to serve fellow inspectors or ourselves and our own business and make it look better in the eyes of other inspectors. Um, So I'm just real cautious about that. I mean, I'm part of the Spectora user group and my local uh, real estate professionals uh, Facebook group, Mm -hmm. but I'm not on a whole bunch of inspector forums because when I, when I dabbled in that a little bit, I just, I found myself, you know, questioning and second guessing and well, this guy's doing this, maybe I need to be doing that. And and then you, you get out of touch with the world that you're trying to serve, which is the client and the real estate agents. And so, you know, just how you engage in social media is going to feed one or the other. And so I try to let my social media engagements be um, in the world of, you know, what are, what are agents thinking? What are they doing? What's the mindset of buyers and stuff like that? And just having a measured approach to inspector groups and inspector forums has, <laughs> has helped me uh, keep focused on the main thing. Oh, I, I, I heard someone, a, a tech person I follow refer to social media as like junk food for your brain. And he's like, Hey, like to eat your junk food in moderation. Like if you're going to have like five minutes of junk food, like, keep it at five minutes. And I view it, I view that as the same thing where, uh, uh, that's just great advice. So I hope everyone really takes to that. And some of the books you reference, we'll get into more of them. Um, that's like nourishment. I view that as like the spinach and, and mushrooms or whatever for your brain. So yeah, that's right. that makes sense given your fresh approach and kind of how you're focusing on the right things. Um, yeah, I'm curious about your kind of your, your mental model for what you do focus on and spend time on because you seem to have such a clear vision and clear, um, you know, just clarity around how you should be spending your time. Like where did, where does that come from? Well, I'm definitely still learning that and um, trying to figure that out. I mean, I'm, I'm aware of ways that I've got to just be better with my time and um, make sure that I'm, I'm spending my time doing things that I am uniquely qualified to do and be ready to uh, pass along things that really anybody could be doing. So I'm, I'm definitely at that point where I'm thinking about, do I go with ACC? Do I go with a new hire? Do I go with like a, a, an admin assistant that can mm-hmm. help with some of these things? And just trying to answer, um, answer those questions. 
Um, and I don't remember somewhere I read about if, if you can find somebody that can do it 60% better than you, uh, 60% as good as you can, they should be doing it. Um, <laughs> yep. That's a helpful guideline to me because, uh, you know, all of us think, well, nobody can do it as good as I do it. And I'm going to spend more time cleaning up the mess than if I just did it myself. And, you know, you start to think this way, but, um, but really that, that bottlenecks your growth. Right. So if you really want to grow and expand and uh, manage everything to where you have life, you're able to prioritize uh, the important things and um, family and emotional and spiritual, physical well-being and all of those things. Um, you, there's there's some give and take. There'll be a cost to that. And, it, and the cost may be you need to settle for 60 percent, somebody doing something 60 percent as good as you're going to do it. But uh, what you gain in that is the, in the long run is far more valuable than what you paid to get it. Um, so I try, to, I try to think of it that way. Uh, and some books I think that are helpful with that is, I mean, just going back to a, a classic of uh, getting things done, David Allen. I mean, it's very dated. You have to kind of update it. But just the idea of um, there are certain things that you need to delegate and there are certain things you need to defer. And there are certain things you need to dump. <laughs> yeah. um, just like even your approach to email. I mean, that, that's a good rubric to use. Um, so there, there have been good people that uh, can help us think through how should we be spending our time? Um, and and that, that's one of them. I think uh, What's Best Next by Matt Perman is a helpful resource. He has another book called How to Get Unstuck. Um, and both of those books, I mean, he's borrowing a lot off of David Allen and expanding mm -hmm. on it, modernizing it. I found them to be very helpful. But one thing they all, all these books have in common is they say, you got to nail down that core thing. What is that one thing that you're going to be all about as a business? Because once you identify that, then that becomes the lens through which you evaluate every question, every opportunity. So is what I'm doing furthering the vision of this company? We want to provide not only great thorough inspections, but the very best in customer service in our area. That's, that's my focus and goal. So is what I'm doing furthering that customer service experience that I'm aiming for, or is it just maintaining? Is it just, is it nuts and bolts stuff? Is it things that, well, it's got to be done, but it's not the core thing. Well, then hire somebody to do that. Um, or, or, you know, be willing to pay for an accountant to manage your, your books and stuff like that. I mean, there's there certain things that you as a business owner need to be spending your time on because it furthers that one core vision. And if it doesn't further that core vision, then we need to be able to say, no, that, you know, that's not what we're all about. Um, so like, are, are we going to expand and like start a pest control company or something? Well, that's not really what we're all about. You know, if you have that one question that defines, this is what we're all about. If you're able to drill down and really, nail that down and answer that it helps you evaluate opportunity and how you spend your time, how you spend your, your schedule, how you, how you do it. Um, so I think that's, that's a helpful, helpful thing to think about. Oh, I love that. I love that you're touching on this because I see a lot of inspectors, uh, sacrifice, um, time, stress, personal relationships, time with their family to save a few bucks. And I think I, I've had, dozens of wonderful conversations around like Spectora just in general, but then Spectora Advanced because a lot of inspectors 
you can't measure degradation of your relationships and the extra hour that you spend on emails because so then you don't have dinner with your family. You know, those types of things don't have a concrete price on them, but you have to kind of feel it and know it. And it's just a matter of what you're willing to trade for that. So I love that you mentioned outsourcing or an ACC or whatever it is that can help you get rid of those tasks that are just mundane and just busy work, right? Yes. And um, Spectora Advances really helped me with that. And, and of course, anytime you got to spend a little money on something, there's a bit of a rub there. But there, like you said, you said it very well. I mean, there's just an intangible to uh, what you're paying compared to what you're getting. And um, just w- when, when people don't have uh, that. So here's another category that we should all be thinking about is sustainability. Is, is what you're doing and the pace you're running at right now, maybe you're able to keep up right now, but is that sustainable over the long haul? Mm. You've, got, you've got to answer that. I mean, I, th- I think when the demands and everything are right, we only see ro- what's right in front of us. Um, but we, we've got to constantly be answering, is the pace that I'm running right now, is this sustainable over the long haul? Um, running a business and owning a business is not a sprint right? It's more like a cross country meet. I mean, yeah. it's, it's long distance. <laughs> We're not about just sprinting and maybe we've won this one thing. This is a, this is a long-term deal. And so what is sustainable over the long haul? And if the pace I'm at is not, uh, what changes do I need to make in keeping with my core vision so that I can be sustainable? So I, I, my fam, I don't lose my family in the process. I mean, is that really worth it? It's not worth it. Um, but that has to be a value in our hearts uh, to, to feel that way. I love the long-term view approach because I, I do think we all naturally as, as humans probably just get sucked into um, the short term and kind of the shiny thing. And I think social media trains us to be that way, which is a whole nother conversation. But, right. um, <laughs> but we try and do, you know, we try to like, we try to walk the walk too and, and, and model what, we talk about on this podcast and what we preach because like Spectors doing the same thing. We're like, Hey, five, 10 years from now, are these good decisions? Is this going to help our foundation and solidify things? And is this a good spend of money now? And so, yeah, I think you can't get to your goal unless you're truly taking a five to 10 year vision um, for everything you do. Right. Oh, so good. Yep. And I love, I do love the way y'all are doing that. And um, yeah, and that, that'd be good. I mean, just thinking about, that future thing. So, uh, you know, you want to talk about that a little bit, just what, what do we see down the road and, and how can we adapt now? Yeah. And, and I'm sorry, were you asking me that? Yeah. If you, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's so, it, yeah, it, like you said, I, when I talk about advance, I talk about, okay, yeah, I know it's an extra spend now for inspectors. And so I always have that conversation and our sales team does, but like we evaluate the same exact thing of like, hey, do we upgrade servers? Do we add more capacity? Do we get consultants to help us with these configurations? Or do we spend here and there? And everyone's a micro decision. But you, if we're thinking about it in the short term, a lot of times the answer would be no. But then if you're thinking about, hey, outages like, you know, the, the downtime and things that just hurt customer you know, loyalty and morale, those things hurt bad enough to say, okay, let's spend now and and make less money now or put off hiring someone because we know that's going to increase satisfaction over the next couple of years and build loyalty. And, and that's, we just try to approach everything with that. What, what's the cost benefit here? Like what's yeah. the risk reward? Everything's, you know, and try to fall back on that. 
Oh, so good. Yep. And that's one thing I love about Spectoria and just so appreciate is, is that approach that it's forward looking like that. And um, I think that's so important. And, um, you know, like in one of the uh, Jim Collins books, he, he does his whole analysis of Walgreens and Eckerd drugstore at pharmacy. Yeah. And, that was great. <laughs> that was such a great, I listened to that twice, I think. <laughs> I mean, it's just so good. You know, are we going to be willing to listen to the needs of our customers, detect trends in the industry, and, and probably most importantly, be willing to innovate in order to maintain and, and deepen and further that one thing that we're all about? And uh, the companies that say, um, you know, we've always done it this way and it's always worked and we're not going anywhere. We're going to keep doing it this way. Uh, actually end up losing in the in the long run um, because we have to be adaptable to a changing world but isn't the challenge to to say okay how can we be adaptable without being all over the map with our focus so we want to maintain the one thing maintain that core focus and then figure out how to adapt our practices so that it even further enhances the core focus doesn't change it it enhances it and expands upon it and furthers it moves that ball down the field and, uh, you know, for whatever we might say about Walgreens today and their lines and process and everything, <laughs> certainly they succeeded at that far better than the other drugstores. And um, I think there's good lessons for us to learn in that. I think what you just described, uh, you know, it's in some of our slide decks for talks and presentations we do is core to surviving in this industry is that traditional inspector mindset. So if you go and hang out on forums, you'll see, you'll see some of that where, it's the you know, 50, 60 year old inspector that basically has the mindset like, ah, oh, that's the way it's always been done. I ain't changing for nobody. <laughs> it's tough to do in this day and age. It's tough to be around for too long. And they can do that because a lot of them are kind of riding off into the sunset and finishing up. But if you're new, you know, if you're within your first five, 10 years in the industry, change is the only constant, right? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's why I went with Spectora because – I wanted something that was going to be forward looking and, and just looking and anticipating the trends and seeing how millennials are the largest demographic buying houses and how do they think and what do they, how, how do they operate? And I, I just felt like this software uh, helped me do that, helped me connect with that, that group of people. Um, so even my marketing approach and trying to get Google reviews and um, all of that comes into play because I realized you know, what, what I'm seeing is, um, is just generally in society a growing distrust of, uh, of just anybody that's in any level of authority or leadership, right? So everybody wants to feel super independent, like right. I figured it out on my own. I don't stand on anybody's shoulders. No one ever came before me. Like I, fi I figured it out. And for as short-sighted as that is, that, that is unfortunately the reality of a lot of thinking. Um, how that shows up in the home buying process, I think, is that the, real, the realtor may say, okay, here's a list of three inspectors, or they may even say, here's one inspector. Um, but more than likely, the millennial is going to say, you can't tell me who I'm going to choose. The fact that you're mm -hmm. trying to tell me who to choose tells me that you have something up your sleeve. I'm going to <laughs> look online and I'm going to Google my own person because nobody's going to tell me what inspector to use. <laughs> it's like that, that's kind of an attitude just in general. So true body who is in any position of, of influence. Um, right. So, okay. So what do we do with that as inspectors? Well, for me, that's, that's meant 
I'm going to, I'm going to do what I can to uh, make it as easy as possible for satisfied customers to leave reviews because I know that people are going to be going online. They're not just taking their agent's word for it and they're going to be looking at reviews. Now, interestingly, as many people have said on this podcast, um, you still have to work the agent's offices. I mean, you, if you think you're just going to get work from Google reviews, forget it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and that's true. I agree with that, but that, that approach of, uh, of focusing on an online presence and I'm not great with social media, but, um, trying to obtain reviews from satisfied customers. Here's where I'm at today. 41% of my, my inspections are booked through agent referral. 30% come from Google. Wow. So, uh, even though I'm not working, I'm not working the agent's offices hard. Um, I'm still getting a ton of agent referrals. Um, why? Because now, not only do we have millennial buyers, we have millennial agents, and so the the, the millennial agents working under a broker who's always used this one guy who's doing paper forms and scanning them in, and that that agent, that millennial agent, is saying, you know, I'm going to go read some reviews on inspectors because I want to recommend to my clients, inspectors that have good reviews, because I know as soon as I recommend it to my client, that client's going to look up that guy. Yep. And when he looks him up, if he sees, gosh, this guy doesn't even have a website, uh, <laughs> that's going to erode, that's going to erode their confidence in me as yes. an agent. So uh, that's part of my, my thing, even in my emails. Um, when I send emails to agents, uh, that's one of the things I've said before is, you can refer with confidence. You know, I, I, there was one where I said, millennial, most millennials are going to go online and Google the referral that you just gave them. Now you can refer with confidence because our customers have gone online and given us the most and highest ratings in our industry, in our local area. Oh, you know, like refer so with confidence. What, how awesome would that make you look as an agent if you referred an inspector who has the most reviews of anybody in your industry, in your local market. Easy. It's a layup. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm doing that without knowing anything else. If I hear, <laughs> you know, if I'm brand new and in a pinch, get a, get a house under contract right away. It's a no brainer. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's uh, and and you just went about that in, in the perfect way. And I think that's, that's constantly what we're trying to teach. So I, it's so refreshing to hear and I love that you know your numbers in terms of the, you know, from Google, from referral. That's important to know, you know, because well, that's how you spend time, you know. Victoria metrics, man, that's, <laughs> it's so nice. I have the advanced metrics opened up and uh, just trying to keep, a look, keep an eye on that and track that. It's made it real easy to see, okay, who are my top um, agents, you know. So, in fact, on my list to do today, I have three thank you cards that I plan to send to the agents who have, the, the three agents who have given me the most referrals <laughs> this year. And just to say, uh, thank you for, for doing these referrals. You know, just that attitude of gratitude and humility and um, realizing that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for all these reviews. But, um, I mean, I did a post recently that said, I'm, I'm aware of so many ways that I want to grow and do better. Um, and so in light of that, man, I'm just humbled and blown away by our customers going online and giving us such great reviews. Um, so appreciate that. And we're going to continue to try and do even better. Um, oh, I love that handwritten notes or online, um, e-cards or gift cards or uh, both. This is going to be a handwritten one. So I, I do monthly, uh, I do a monthly email newsletter to agents only, uh -huh. um, using that link between Spectora and MailChimp. Um, so it goes out monthly, but this one is going to be an actual handwritten note. Um, 
my, our business logo is a pineapple symbol of hospitality. Uh, it's memorable. It's easy for agents. So I have these cards that are empty on the inside and it's just mm-hmm. a big pineapple on the outside. And I'll put a Love business it. card in there and just say, uh, so appreciate you entrusting us with um, the service and care of your clients. We hope to continue to deliver great service and wanted to express our appreciation um, for the referrals you've given us and want to continue to earn your trust. That's so good. The handwritten note obviously is dead, is mostly dead, but underrated. I think severely underrated. Um, American Furniture Warehouse does that. We, you know, we bought a couch the other day and then the person we worked with sent us a handwritten note and we, we, uh, we opened it up and looked at it, you know, cause it, it yeah, sure. the mail and it, <laughs> and that impression, it leaves an impression. So I love that it you do does. that. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's not, this will be, I think it's the first time I'm doing it. So I don't want to give the impression that like, Oh yeah, I do that all the time, but <laughs> it's a good practice. It, the re, yeah, it is a good practice. And it popped into my head because on, I have a flip house that's on the market now and I chose to do staging and about three weeks after it was staged, I got a handwritten thank you note from the company mm-hmm. that staged it. And okay. I went, that's awesome. I'm doing that to my top three agents. <laughs> so smart. So smart. Um, Gosh, that, we've got we've covered so much. This has been so great. What I'm trying to think, what I, uh, I'm looking at my notes here. What what have we not touched on that that we wanted to cover today? Um, this is packed yeah. full of great information. I want to say like this this is gonna be probably one of our best ever. Oh man, well I hope it helps. I hope it helps other guys that are uh, especially newer and starting out. Um, you know, I I recently started the the West Texas chapter of uh internachi so starting a local home inspector chapter just getting it off the ground um i would encourage newer inspectors like myself to um have a healthy view of your competition i know different markets are uh are different and some inspectors like in our area people generally tend to keep to themselves they don't really want to collaborate and work together and everybody stay in your own lane is kind Mm -hmm. of the mindset but I would like to, to kind of break through that and pull inspectors together and uh, realize that we don't have to be threatened by the competition. We should be inspired by it. Um, if somebody's doing better than me or doing different things, you know, what can I learn from them? Um, in fact, I, I mean, one of my really good friends is a home inspector. He's my competitor, but we're good friends. I mean, how, how is that possible? Um, I think it's possible when we have a healthy view of, of competition. Mm-hmm. So uh, early on, I just called a few of the old timers and said, uh, Hey, I'm new. I've just got started and um, you've been doing it a long time and I, you have so much experience. And uh, I ran into something that I've, I just haven't seen before. Can you help me understand what's happening here? Well, just asking them those questions. Uh, I think it honors them. It honors their experience. It shows them respect. It shows them humility. And then now you're, and, and you're learning in the process. Um, so, you know, I've just tried to take the mindset, don't be afraid of the competition. Don't try to avoid the competition. Don't ever talk bad about another competitor. Um, but rather everybody brings something different to the table. What can I learn from each person and how can we work together in our local market to raise the bar for the industry as a whole? That's great. Great advice. Amazing advice. And your humility is something that stands out to me because when, when you were talking about how, what you say to agents and kind of standing in front of agents, speaking to them, I kind of want everyone to kind of look in the mirror and evaluate how, um, you know, what, what's your level of humility? Because I think that's such a, to me, one of those intangible, likable qualities that 
we all know in business, you do business with people you like and trust, and they also have to be competent. But that that resonates with me a ton, and so I want everyone to just kind of, I just wanted to call that out. That I think that's a quality that's very endearing and something that attracts people. Well, something I want to grow in, that's for sure. As soon as you think you've arrived, it proves you haven't. <laughs> yeah, life, life, life slaps you a little bit and says, nope, you, guys, yeah, yeah. you have more to do. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. And speaking of the networking vein, uh, or for one, if, if you're ever doing anything for that chapter, and this is for everyone else that has local chapters or groups, let me know if there's any way Spectora or, or myself can help, whether it's jumping on a Zoom to, to discuss certain things in the industry or certain best practices or what we're seeing from the high-level view. Happy to help there. Um, that's great. Yeah. But yeah, I think if, if, if anyone does want to kind of get in touch with you or kind of talk about your experiences or anything, what's, what's the best way for people to reach you and are, if you're open to that? Yeah, I'm definitely open to that. Um, number is on the website and that number uh, rings straight to my cell phone. So uh, you can reach me there, 432-279-0205. Um, or you can send an email and that address is Alan, spelled the right way, which is A-L-L-E-N at, <laughs> there goes my humility, right? Uh, <laughs> A-L-L-E-N at house to home inspector.com. Um, so yeah, phone or email. And, uh, and actually shout out to John, Vo- John. Uh, oh man. I Vaden? drew a blank. Vaden. Yeah. 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 Vaden. Yeah. Vaden. So uh, John Vaden left his contact info when he was on the podcast and I reached out to him right after the podcast and he really helped me get going on Spectora, shared a template with me for free that I've taken and built and modified. And um, so I'm happy to pay that forward. I mean, if I can help anybody else, I'm in the Spectora community. I'm happy to do that as well. So thank you to John uh, if he's listening to this and yeah, if any, if I can serve anybody that way, I'm happy to do that. It makes sense. You guys ended up being buddies because you know you're, you guys are two of two of the all time great guys, and uh, you know ones we look forward to seeing at conferences and whatnot. So I'm glad you guys got connected. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. What, what else is there? Anything else we we want to touch on, or anything uh, that you know we haven't shouted out or given lip service to? Um, a couple book well, recommendations, maybe. Yeah, I mean, we. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's a that's a good one. Um, we mentioned a bunch. Uh, one, one other one that I would add to that is the E-Myth. I think that was very helpful early on. Um, and if, the, the, if you're unfamiliar with that book, uh, it's just the, the premise is that somebody that makes a great technician, uh, it does not necessarily mean that they're going to be a great entrepreneur. And so there's a difference between being a technician and being an entrepreneur. And, uh, and it's important to know that about yourself. And um, and to have, have be thinking along those lines. And so anybody that's starting a business for the very first time, you might think, well, I don't know if I'm an entrepreneur. I've never started a business before. Well, that, that's true, but everybody starts somewhere. So um, what, are the, what are the things, you know, how can you help evaluate kind of who you are and how you're wired? Because not everybody is an entrepreneur. And it's not like if, if you're entrepreneurial, you're better than the next guy. I mean, we need people who are great technicians. It's no knock on them if they're not an entrepreneur. If you're a great technician, work for an inspection company. Don't feel that some weird pressure like, well, you have to start and run your own business. Don't do it if, if, you, if you're not really entrepreneurial. Um, so I don't know. I think that book helped, helped me uh, kind of solidify, okay, who am I? What, what things do I have in me that are just are, are kind of already there and just need to be cultivated and honed? And uh, 
you know, help me discern like what is just me thinking I'm an, I'm a good technician. I'll be a great entrepreneur. So that book was helpful. Um, I would, I would check that one out. Um, I think we mentioned most of the others. So. Good to great outliers, tipping point, all, all oh, linked. To, yeah. I'll link to all these. Oh yeah. Out, outliers is just phenomenal. I mean, when we think uh, you can, you can do anything you want at all. It's kind of like, no, you can't. You can't jump off a building and fly. I mean, there are some limitations that are outside of your control. And so it just helps have a realistic approach to things and to realize um, if, if, if you're somebody that struggles with why did this other guy become so successful and I did all the same things and yet I'm, I'm at this point in life and I'm not where he's at and you know, in fact, I should have been, you know, and you think you really struggle with comparing yourself that way. I mean, I think this book gives a healthy dose of like just realizing, man, there are things that are just um, outside of our control that we can trust God with and we could uh, not have some unhealthy view, unhealthy expectations of how life should turn out. Um, so, yeah, just a helpful book in that category. So much good stuff. And again, people, you don't have to, to lay in bed and read a physical book. You can do audible best $10 a month or whatever it is. I think I've spent in the last year because I, I'm a fall asleep while reading kind of guy. Um, and so listen to these on, listen to these on audio. I, I can't preach that enough. I'm, I'm just a big advocate now of audiobooks because of how they've changed uh, my view and the amount of information I'm able to digest just while taking a walk or drinking coffee. So, um, yeah, Make time for it. Self-work, right? Totally agree. The great uh, British preacher from the 19th century said, give yourself to reading. The man who never reads will never be read. He who never quotes will never be quoted. He who does not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves he has no brains of his own. You need to read. <laughs> yeah, you have to. I, in the echo chamber of our industry is as, as bad as I've seen almost in any other industry. And so, um, breaking outside of that and just bringing awareness to the fact that we can't all just kind of fall in line and be sheep, I think is, is huge. And I think yes. every new inspector needs to hear that more than everybody, because it's easy to think the old timers just know everything when in reality, they may be, they may know less in terms of modern branding and marketing and personal, personal skills, things like that. Right. Learn what you can learn from those that went before you and then figure out how to innovate and adapt for your current environment current situation so important and uh yeah i mean and last thing i would say on that is just about spectora um for me spectora is do, helping me do that um in a sense it like delivers the future <laughs> and and makes but it also makes a statement about my my own company's innovative forward-leaning progressive energetic bent in how we're doing home inspections i mean just that report system makes a statement. I mean, not only does it deliver a great report, but it says something. It, there's an intangible statement being made when, um, when it, the display format is not the, the PDF that uh, everybody else is using. And the PDF is there, but um, it, it kind of makes a statement. We're not a company stuck in the past. We're all about anticipating what's coming and adapting and changing to get better and better with time. And so uh, I, I love, love that I'm with Spectora and made the leap almost a year ago now and uh, thankful for the company. Oh, we appreciate that. And we, we appreciate guys like you. It's just a joy to work with you guys and to see the results and to see the business growing. It, it's what keeps us motivated and, and uh, you know, energizes us. So keep cranking and uh, you know, we can leave it at that. I've taken enough of your time and I know you got an inspection today. So 
um, thank you. This has been amazing. I think this is going to be, like I said, this will probably be our most listened to. Um, so much good stuff in here. And, uh, and yeah. I hope it's helpful. I appreciate it. I love what y'all are doing too. Happy to play a little part and toss my, my rock in the ocean there. Right on. No, knowledge was passed for sure. Tons of fun. And, uh, and yeah, thanks again for the time. And uh, we'll talk soon. Oh, you're welcome. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Alan.